0: Good evening, everyone. Welcome to the midweek study. Uh, tonight we'll be continuing in the book of Exodus. So glad you're here and I'd like to welcome our visitors. We're so glad you're here. I just have a few announcements. In only a few days will be a VBS time, and the meeting, church meeting, will be right after service. Uh, we'll let everyone get their children from the classrooms and You know, then we'll come back in here and then we'll hear some of the music that's going to be played for the children. And then we'll stay and we'll we'll go through any questions you might have. Um, So we're really looking forward to a, a, a very great week of high energy and just loving on these kids and teaching them about Jesus. And of course, the VBS dates are July 30th through the 3rd and the Jubilee picnic will be on the 4th. And if you haven't taken a look at, at the sign-up sheet, uh, please do for where you'd want to serve that day. But we hope uh, you know everyone in the church is welcome to come and, and attend and partake of that. The Singles Adult Ministry has a picnic on July 28th at 5 PM. Please see Cindy for uh, any questions you may have. Thank you.
1: Let's pray together. Father, we just ask that you'd be with us today, Lord. Um, as we come here through the, the water, we just thank you for bringing us safely. God, we pray that you'd be with those out on the roads, those in um, the floodplains. And um, God, we ask that you would be glorified tonight in all of it, that people can see your mighty hand at work. I ask that you'd be with us um, today. Help us, God, that you just move in our hearts and draw us near to you. So help us to worship you now, Father, for who you are. In Jesus' name, amen. I invite you to stand with me as we we worship tonight, as as you're led.
2: side of the door More time. Shout it. Go on and scream it from the mountain. Go on and tell it to the masses that He is God.
1: We just want to lift you up. We want to honor you for who you are. We want to declare to you, um, declare to the world who you are, and show them by your love through us, God, that you are a powerful God. That you, um, that you have everything that we need. So we just want to glorify you, God. Be lifted up today. Help us to to love you more fully, God, to live for you more um, powerfully just to trust in you, God, in all of our ways. Um, We thank you for this time, Lord, in Jesus' name, amen. Can I greet one another?
3: All right. Well, welcome. Come on in. It's so good to see your smiling faces this evening and uh, making it out in the rain. We all survived. You didn't need to build a local ark. You're going to be okay, although in some places it, you thought you might have needed one, huh? Just uh, we'll take a, a moment to pray here before we get in and and uh, really pray for those that may still be on the road for travel mercies for them. Father God, we come before you right now. Jesus, we thank you again for allowing us to be here, to be in your presence, Lord. And we trust the moving of your Holy Spirit here tonight through your word, God, that you're going to speak mightily to us. But as we're in a tough chapter here, 33, Lord of Exodus, it's... It's tough because we see a people, Lord, that broke your covenant, Lord. And it's natural, Lord God, to think, where do, we, where do we go from here, God? We've sinned and fall short of your glory, you tell us in your word. But God, you also tell us that, Lord, you loved us, you died for us, you redeemed us. And by the blood of your son, Jesus Christ, we have new life in our new creations. Old things have passed away, all things have been made new. No condemnation, Lord. No more holding on to things that happened even 24 hours ago, Lord. God, thank you for that gift. Thank you as we come here tonight, we can be without blemish, Lord. And that's all because of you, Jesus. That's all because of what you've done for us. And Lord, we also want to pray for those traveling tonight, Lord. Maybe whether it's here or, Lord, on the roads with the rain and the flood warnings, God, we pray safety for the people, Lord Jesus, that they would, Lord, just you'd give them supernatural common sense, God, to avoid uh, the trappings of the water there, or to young people to get out in their vehicles and do things they shouldn't, Lord. So, God, we just thank you that you've brought us here. We have a safe roof over our heads here, Lord. You've. Protected us from the elements. You've given us air conditioning, God, far more than we deserve, Lord. Thank you for your the comfort, Lord, that you've given us that, again, uh, Lord, so many don't have, so many Christians all around the world. God, it's a privilege to be able to come in and just rest and sit under your word. May we all just rejoice right now. In your holy name, Jesus Christ, and all God's people pray Amen, amen. All right. If you don't have a Bible, go ahead and raise your hand, and one of the ushers will bring you a Bible, and we'll get started here. And please open in your Bibles to Exodus chapter thirty-three. For those that have your Bible, Exodus chapter thirty-three. Sometimes I like to change it up. You know, I I've watched as the fellowship's growing. You know, on Sundays it's pretty packed. And Wednesdays, you know, I always say it's my diehard group to come out. I love it. But as, um, you know, as I've watched it, sometimes I like to have these, these moments where I sort of take that pulpit aside and I feel it like it's just us in a living room somewhere. We've got the word of God, you know, the Lord's provided us light and we're just going to just pour right into this tonight. And it's, it is a tough chapter because for Israel, knowing that they had just built this calf, you know, in Moses coming down the mountain and and literally dropping the Decalogue, the Ten Commandments, throwing it down on the ground because of his anger, because of what he saw. We saw the first pretense of really false worship when they began to dance and sing and allow the music to bring them into sensual passions of of you know sexual immorality through orgies and all the things they were they were doing on the bottom of the mountain there and. And all that was being carried on and God knowing it all. And while they were doing that, God was up with Moses on the top of the mountain, giving him a pattern of what he was going to establish through his tabernacle, which was to do what? What was his tabernacle? That he may dwell among the people. That he would dwell among his chosen people's creation. And I've often wondered that today, Lord. You know, God, you you are such a God of glory and love and and intimacy and relationship, and yet, Lord, in my best effort, I blow it, I miss it. And in spite of me, in spite of the things I do, you still desire relationship. That's that really is agape love. You know what I mean? That's real unconditional love. Can we say that any one of us here are inclined to do that for just anyone? Well, we should say yes, because God's called us to, hasn't he? He says, when we have the vertical, right, we then work on the horizontal. Others focused. And we saw what a great leader in Moses. What a great shepherd, under-shepherd. And that even as they did this, what was Moses doing? Because of the pressing of the spirit of God, what was Moses? He was interceding with the people, even joining himself to the people saying, Lord, I know you basically gave me an easy button. Everybody loves the easy button, right? I don't know if it was Staples or what company. Hit the easy button, right? Reset. He said that to me. He He says, look, it doesn't have to be Abraham, Isaac. It can be Moses and Joshua and whoever. He says, we can hit the reset button on the covenant. It doesn't have to begin with the Abrahamic covenant. It can begin with the Mosaic covenant. How about that, Moses? But we see a man that was truly surrendered that said, no, no, I don't want that. What I want is a people that are redeemed, a people that are restored, a people that are walking with you, Lord, because anything else won't do. Anything else, you're going to always feel like there's a void or something missing. And that's what we see as we pick up here in, in verse 33, it's, or chapter 33 in verse 1. It's, it's really, it's a broken covenant, and where do you go from here? I mean, if you're God, where do you go from here at this point? They've broken the covenant. They hadn't even really truly shown a repentant heart yet. If it wasn't for the interceding of Moses, they would have all been wiped out. How do you rebuild this? Maybe some of you in here have had those seasons in your life where you know maybe you were backslidden. Maybe you weren't drawn close to the Lord as you once were. Lord, can I ever give back to that place? Can I, Lord, can you ever light the fire again? The way it was when maybe I was younger or when I was on this mission trip or, or I was somewhere here where I was focused on you. I wasn't trying to manage family and a job and all these other things that just compound and make everything in my walk more complex. But Lord, when I was in that country and it was just me serving the people, me holding your word and sharing your word, Lord, when, when you did that, I never felt more close to you than I ever have in my whole life. Maybe some of you know that experience. Maybe maybe you're wondering, Lord, can I have that again? Well, the Bible says so. It says yes. But it begins with restoration. It begins with repentance. It begins with a right heart. No matter what you've done, no matter what you do, you can always come back to the living God. You see, we all at one time in our lives or another are prodigals, aren't we? We miss it. We blow it. And we have a good, good father. We sing that song sometimes, right? That's who you are, right? And I'm loved by you. Not by condition. It's, not, it's unconditional. And yet he says that <laughs> just in his beauty and his majesty, he says, come unto me, all you who are weary, tired, heavy laden. And he says, I'll give you rest. He says, take Take that that mantle, take that yoke that you've been wearing, that you've made. He says, and put on what I've custom fit for you. It will truly set you free. It's, It's so much I can't even mentally process it sometimes. Maybe some of you know what I mean. Well, as we begin here in verse one, it said, Then the Lord said to Moses, Depart and go up from here you and the people whom you have brought out of the land of Egypt to the land which I swore to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, saying, to your descendants, I will give it. Man broke his promise, but God kept his. He kept the promise of grace. He kept the promise of grace, even in spite of man's failing. I love that. And I will send my angel... and. We've seen that before in Exodus chapter 23, verse 23, where he talks about his angel. He says, my angel. Now, I think it's important to point this out as you're, you know, this is family time. We're close. We can exegete a little bit in the Hebrew here. We, you know, we have that opportunity tonight, you know. Uh, It's a little different on Sunday mornings. We have a little more time. We can go through this. When you look at this, he says, my angel. You, You understand in the original manuscripts, there was, first of all, no vowels, by the way. That doesn't come until later, even the titles that you have in your Bible wasn't until nine hundred a d that the rabbis began adding those to the to the translations you have. But the idea of capital letters it didn't exist in the original manual. it wasn't in the hebrew there was there was no capital letters that way the way in your Bible, maybe you're using a King James or new King James translation right now, and if you look in your Bible, you'll see of m my capitalized an angel a and and we know that often when we see that the translator through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, being led believes what? They believe that could be a Christophany. It could be a a presenting of Christ. It could be speaking to to the angel of angels, which would be what? Jesus Christ, right? Not a mere angel as a created being, but Jesus who always existed. I don't know, though. You know, I'm not saying I disagree with the scholars or the commentators, but as I read this, I'm not sure it necessarily has to be that way. But he says, and I will send my angel before you and, and I will drive out the Canaanites and the Amorites and the Hittites and the Perzites and the Hivites and the Jebusites. Remember Jebu, right? Where was that? Speaking to what we know it as today, Jerusalem. They occupied the, the area that we know Jerusalem today, the Jebusites, right? Jebu. So what do we see here? God's saying, I'm going to send you help. I'm going to send you either A Christophany of Jesus Christ himself, or I'm going to send one of my angels to go before you. Time out on the field. Time out on the field for a minute. Wait a minute. What did God already promise to do? Who was going to go and bring them into the promised land, land flowing with milk and honey? Who was going to do that? But God, our Father himself, he said he was going to go. But when they broke the covenant, what happened? God said, look, you're stiff-necked. You know, in Italian, we have a word for that, testadora. It means you're a hardhead. You're a hardhead. And that's what he says is he says, if I go with you, he says, boy, you, you might pull a calf thing again and I might have to just wipe you out, man. Right? That's, that's really what God's saying here because we're going to read it actually in his own words. And he's going to say, look, if, if, you, if I go with you in the presence like that, I, I don't know what will happen that way i think that's wisdom obviously of god and what's he doing there isn't he still protecting the people do you see the grace in that because if he was with them and they had done that he'd smite them out right because he was already going to hit the reset button and if it wasn't for moses's intercession and and would he have been wrong doing so were they not guilty and did they not break the the covenant that way did they they not commit idolatry could they not have been judged? Would he have been absolutely right in doing so? Yes, but our Father is a, a God of second and third and infinite chances. He is a God of grace and mercy. You know when people wonder about, well, the God from the Old Testament, when I read about him, he's a different God than in the New Testament. No, He's God. He's Yahweh. He's the same. He's the ancient of days. He he doesn't change. His character's true and faithful. We're actually gonna get in 34 as we begin to look at his character attributes as as he's presenting it to us that we may know more about him. In chapter 34, we're gonna be looking at that. But he he doesn't do that. He says, I'm not gonna go with you. I can't get that close. Go up to the land flowing with milk and honey. For I will not go up with you in your midst, lest I consume you on the way. And just because you, in case you forgot it, it's because you're a stiff-necked people. <laughs> you are a stiff-necked people. Again, I, I see this as interesting here. There's, there's something that's going to happen between verses, 30, or verses 3 and 4. And I hope you'll catch it with me. He's presenting them an alternative, a choice. He's saying, you can have the land I promised you, but you can't have my presence with you. What's more important to you? Relationship or what you're interested in, what you're maybe desiring that way? Is it the land? Is that what you're after? Is that why you're, you're you know with me? Is it because of what you can get out of this? You, do you see that? Or is it the relationship you desire? Now, we're going to see the heart of the people, the motivation, the heartitude, and praise God, it's the right reason. But God's testing their hearts. You know, what are you you seeking after? I think that's for us today. How much of Christianity is, because it's a tradition or what we grew up with, or it's comfortable, how much much of it has become ritualistic, if I can say that? How much of it's become religion? And I don't use that term in a good way tonight compared to how much of it's relationship. You know, is is God the genie in the bottle for you that you go to him when you need something, want something, desire something? But when it comes to relationship, he's the last one that you call. You're more likely to Facebook a friend or whatever you call it, tweet, Instagram, whatever you do. I mean, I don't even think people pick up phones anymore. How are you doing? Mom, I'm doing good, right? I don't even know if people call home anymore that way. That's a problem. We're getting so disconnected. We need connection. We need togetherness. We need unity. As a matter of fact, one of the things he's going to do in chapter 34 is he's going to bring them together in a form of worship and praise. And he's going to unite them together under a common banner of glory. His glory. We're going to see that in chapter 34. If I ever get there. (laughs) So he says, do you want the land flowing with milk and honey? Or do you want me? what 's more important to you what 's the motivation of your heart? Why do you do what you do? Why do you do it? why do you why do you worship? Are you drawing close to Christ or are you just singing a hymn what what 's the motivation I, we can 't skip over that until we 've examined our hearts that 's what he says, and then he says, Look in uh, verse 4 and when the people heard this bad news, they mourned. That's that's a good sign. And no one put on his ornaments, right? No one put on his decorations. Where did these ornaments come from to begin with? What would they to be used for? Well, not truly worshiping. They God had provided him as back pay when they left Egypt, and they were going to be used to build a tabernacle, right? to build the tabernacle in which he's going to dwell with them. And the reason it's going to be all decked out, it's because it's going to represent his glory. It's actually what they took and began to use to worship this golden calf that they made with their hands that had the fingerprints of Aaron on it. And Aaron was saying, well, I just, I don't know. I put it in the fire, jumped out. I don't know how it happened. Right? They used what God had given them and they misused it. How about us? What are we doing with what God has provided us? Everything comes from the Lord. Do you realize that? Everything you have, the clothes you wear, the food you have, the home you're in, the car you drive, it's all from the Lord. There's not a thing any one of us has done to deserve anything we have, and there's not anything we could do to create it. Go try to create your own sand. Go try to create your own building material. You can't do it. God had to be, God had to do it. And then he says, who I show favor to, I show favor to. He's provided, he showed favor on all of us here tonight. I mean, we're sitting in the middle of Harrisburg, well, you know, the West Shore that way, and we're in a a cooled building. We have comfortable seats to sit in. We we are blessed. We're not sitting in the middle of a, a hut somewhere where, you know, that very night a wild animal could take our lives or our children's lives. We're not even worried or anxious about those things. Most of us are trying to figure out what we're gonna do after service and where we're gonna eat. Maybe you guys are going to eat at nine o'clock, yes. Yes, at nine o'clock. at 10 o'clock, yes, we eat. In the Vanderbilt household, we eat again, yes. <laughs> so, I mean, it's a good sign they're mourning and they're to take off their decorations that way. And I think what it was is it was a choice, Will you choose the land of relationship? And what did they choose? Relationship. And I pray every one of us makes that same choice here. Right? It's a good sign. It's not just about what God can give them. It's actually what's going to begin a revival for Israel right now. You want to look and study at what begins revival? It's a repentant heart and it's a desire of relationship. It's the desire to have your heart enlarged with the living God. God. And that's what we're going to see here. It's on all the ingredients for revival once his spirit moves on it. For the Lord had said to Moses, Say to the children of Israel, you are stiff necked people, just in case you didn't catch it before. I could come up into the mist in one moment and consume you. Again, just want to know where we stand. Now, therefore, take off your ornaments that I may know what to do with you. Wow. What's your motivation? Do you want the Lord? So the children of Israel stripped themselves of their ornaments by horah What did that really represent? Taking off the decoration, getting down simple. It's talking about purity. It's desiring the pureness of God, to, to come to God in a pure way. Not with all the extrapolations that we put on, not with all the things that we do to build up around it, you know. It, fill in the blank in your life what that looks like for you all the Jesus plus this that and the other thing you know I've got a special chair a special mug that when I do my devotional a special pen this that and the other thing and some of you are laughing some of you are crying here I don't know but something like that that you have that you need well what do we really need the presence of God and his word and we can worship anywhere we can worship anywhere we can have a bible study anywhere You know, if the Lord should, you know, you know, we wouldn't be able to pay the rent or who knows what would happen in the field. Do we stop doing what we do? No. We just find some place we can crash and open our Bible, man. Right? That's all we're going to always do. So what? I go get another job and, you know, but I'm still going to teach the word. That's never going to change. Do you see that with me? Because it's Jesus and it's his Word. I don't we don't need anything else. I just want the purity of God. I just want to enter into that pureness that way. And I, I want to have that heart. I understand when he says, take off your ornaments. I, I understand that at a spiritual level. Even you know in my life, I understand God saying that to me at times. Separate, get away from it. Verse 7 here, and we we begin to see as Moses now is gonna is gonna really get in the presence of God that way and begin to continue to intercede for the people. And he's gonna help the people get right with God that they would, you know, have this revival, right? Moses took his tents and pitched it outside the camp. Now, this tent you may have in your Bible, a tabernacle, it's a, it's a place of dwelling. We're not talking about the, you know, the tabernacle, the one that he was given as a pattern up on, you know, Mount Sinai that way. That's not what we're talking about. This is a place that Moses would have dwelt. And, and friends, I have a question. Why is he going outside the camp? What was inside the camp? What had represented to be with sin and all that was going on there? What was God doing? God was going outside. He was separating from the worldly affairs. Now, he's not calling us to be Amish and be separatists or Anabaptists that way. He's not calling us to do that. He says you're to be in the world, but not what? Of the world. Right? There's a clear difference. Moses could be around the people, but... But when he was going to worship, he needed to separate himself. He didn't want to be involved in the day-to-day of things that they may be doing, the the pagan rituals that they, hey, you know, I know Moses took away that calf, but you know what? I saw over there, we have this, we have that. Well, I don't want to be around that. Moses said, I I want to draw away from that. I I want to be with God, and I want it to be pure and holy. As he said, take off those ornaments. So he says he called it the tabernacle meeting. And it came to pass that everyone who sought the Lord went out to the tabernacle meeting, which was outside the camp. So it was whenever Moses went out to the tabernacle that all the people rose and each man stood at his tent door and watched Moses until he had gone into the tabernacle. Did you notice that? First thing I noticed when I read that passage, a changed heart. There was a reverence, not for Moses, A reverence for God, because what happens at that tent? The pillar comes and begins to hover or stand over it that way, indicating the very presence of God is outside the camp, right where Moses is meeting with God in his presence. They're not standing up for Moses. They're not revering Moses. They're not going to revere any man. You know, even the angels say we're not to bow to the angels, only to Christ alone. We don't worship any man or woman that way. But they, they saw that God's presence there, they began to stand up, and there was, a, there was an interest, there's a changed heart. They're desiring after the presence of God. They're not looking for the calf any longer that's convenient or uh, uh, you know, easy for them. No, they, they want the living God now. There had been a cleansing, right? We saw that 3,000 men, they had lost their lives, that chose not to walk with God. There had been a cleansing that God had done there, a purifying, And now the people are are, are sober-minded about the things they think, the things they do. And when they see the presence of God, they respond rightfully or, you know, with the right action, reverence. And it came to pass when Moses entered the tabernacle that the pillar of cloud descended and stood at the door of the tabernacle. And the Lord talked with Moses. Can you imagine? You can, can't you? Because you can pray. And that's our communication with God, right? Now, we haven't had a Mount Sinai experience, maybe some of us, all of us, or any of us that way. But we can certainly come into the presence of God because that veil was torn on Calvary, right? On Calvary, excuse me, what Christ did, that veil was torn on the temple Mount there where the temple was. Because the veil was torn from the top so that it couldn't be touched by man or tried to be altered Because what God did could never, ever be undone. And that's a store or established relationship with the living God. It's beautiful. God wants to dwell with his people. He's always desired that. And so Moses is willing. Are you willing? Are you willing to dwell and meet with the living God? Are you willing to tabernacle with him? Do you tabernacle with him often? Or hasn't he been to your place in a while? Hasn't he knocked on the door and come in and sup with you in a while? Too busy. We get busy, don't we? We get consumed with the things we're after. They can be good motivations. But if we're not careful, they can be idolatrous, can't they? I'm certainly not the judge of any man's heart, and I'm not in any way judging any man or woman here, I I don't know. But I trust God will speak to your heart about that and encourage. That's what he wants to do. He's an encourager. So He would come in and talk to Moses that way. Verse 10, and all the people saw the pillar of the cloud standing at the tabernacle door and all the people rose and worshiped. (laughs) What a great response. Each man in his tent door. Something happened there. We're not giving all the details in verse seven, but something that they saw, there's something that happened that when the presence of God came and Moses is in that tent, something caused them to worship that moment. Maybe it was the spirit of God moving in their hearts, but in unity, they all began to just worship the living God, thanking, praising him. Don't you love that? Sometimes at prayer, Sunday night corporate prayer. One of my favorite times in all of this fellowship, honestly, is Sunday night corporate prayer. It's a very special time. We, you know, we have maybe have 20 people come out. We have, I don't know how many, a couple hundred people. I would love the whole fellowship to come out to a Sunday night prayer. It is a sweet time. Sometimes we, we may sing, the Lord will move, somebody will speak. It's beautiful. It's an, there's an intimacy to it. And I love it because we're interceding for our brothers and sisters. We're, we're crying out, we're calling out to God. We're never more close to God than when we're praying. We're never more close to God than when we're praying. And, and, and there's a worship that comes out of that. It's, you know, we, we even kind of dim the lights a little bit and it's just intimate. It's, it's just, oh, I can't say heavenly because I don't know what heaven's like yet. But, but everything I read, it, it makes me, want and desire to be in the presence of the living God more and more when I'm praying, when I'm worshiping him. So the Lord spoke to Moses face to face. It's very important here. We know in, first of all, the Bible would never contradict itself. Verse 20 in the same chapter says that you cannot see my face. No man has seen seen me or the face of God and lived, right? So we know this is a Hebrew um, use of term to, to basically, if you wanna be, very accurate in the Hebrew, what it's really saying is clear and plain. That's the exact translation. You know, we have face-to-face, you might say an idiom or, or a, way, a figure of speech, if I can say it that way. But the exact translation in the Hebrew, if you're being very matter-of-fact about it, is clear and plain. That's what he's saying. As a man speaks to his friend, and he would return to the camp, but his servant Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man, we're going to read a lot about Joshua soon, The son of a young man did not depart from that that tabernacle. What's that tell us about Joshua? He never, he was Moses' assistant at that time. This right-hand guy, you know? He never wanted to leave the presence of God. That's who you want as an assistant. If you got an assistant or someone that helps you, hey, husbands, who's your assistant? Not an assistant pastor, but what is she? She's your helpmate. She's better than insistent, man. She's your helpmate. She's, she's given to you by the Lord that way. And ladies, God gave you a, a pastor of your home. He gave you an under shepherd. And for you singles in here, oh, you can't do any better than this. He gave you Jesus Christ. You're wed to him and to him alone. You're not gonna get much higher than that. You can't. That's beautiful. So he doesn't want to depart. And I think also while he's there, what's he doing as an assistant? You know, he wants to care for the place. You know, I I don't want to call out, you know, too many of the guys here. I don't want to embarrass, you know, they're doing it unto the Lord. But I think of how many people here week after week, day after day. I mean, people have no idea what it takes to, at church our size, you know, even with the Lord, how many people, volunteers, you know, are here to 9 p.m. most nights, many nights, getting especially ready for VBS. All that goes into everything. And how blessed I am to see the heart. It, nobody's doing it for the wrong motivation. You know, they could be doing anything at home. They could be, they could be building something at home. They could be No, they want to be serving the Lord. That's a test of a man's heart. Where does he, when he's got his free time, where does he want to be? Does he want to be with the people of God, right? Now, I'm not, again, condemning everyone. There's times in, you know, where we need to be home. We need to do things. But where do you want to be? I tell you, you know what I love? I love to be with you. I mean, when I could think of any other place to go, a vacation, I don't know. What, where, what do people say? The dreams for Hawaii or say, You know where I want to be? I want to be in the thick of it with you guys. This is where I love to be. I love you. I want to be with you. I want to be with like-minded believers. I grow from being with you. You teach me so much. We teach each other. We grow. There's something to be said for that. You know, Joshua's not interested in going back to his own tent. He wants to stay at the tent where God dwells. Now, bring this into your own house. Is your TV your tabernacle? Is there something in your house that becomes your tabernacle that way? Where you turn around and, you know, when you could do anything, where do you choose to spend your time? Again, I think it reveals a lot of the heart, doesn't it? I think it shows us, you know, where's our heart at? And again, I'm not trying to condemn anybody. Let the Holy Spirit speak to you about that. But it's something I ask God often. Where is my heart? Where's my priorities? And I, and I know, so, oh, but Pastor, you're, you're an undershed. You're a pastor. That's what? Oh, no. God called us all to be ministers that way. We are all children, those born again believers in Christ, children of the living God. We're all evangelists. We're all called to go out, to love, to draw others to Christ. There's no excuse, friends. There's no excuse. All right, we're moving into verse 12 here through verse 23. And as we start to move into this passage, really you can break this area up into three specific verses that are going to kind of culminate this passage or this section of verses here. Verse 12, if you want to circle it, maybe just to help you reminder to break it up. Verse 12, verse 15, and verse 18. I'll tie it back in what the three are. But there's a series or a progression that's going to happen here. Verse 12, I'll start in as we go through, you'll see. What the progression and series that God's bringing us through in these passages it says. Then Moses said to the Lord, "See, you say to me." So, first of all, what do we see? Who's saying it? Moses, and he's speaking to God, and he says, "You say to me, bring up this people, but you have not let me know whom you will send with me." You know, Moses was thinking about it. Lord, you promised me your presence. You gave me a true and false. You gave me a choice there, Lord. And we answered correctly. We didn't choose the land flowing with milk and honey. We chose the living God. And we don't want to go there if that's not where you're going to be. We want to go with you, Lord. You see, Moses held on to that. Moses was waiting for God. And, and I believe truly through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, I, I believe God put that on Moses' heart that he would intercede that way just as he's been doing and interceding for the people. And Moses having a pure heart like that, well, God, I don't think we should go anywhere until you go with us. I I know, Lord, forgive me, Lord, I know what you said, but I desire you more than any place on earth. I desire your presence more than anything. I desire you. Can we all say that? I hope so. Bring me up to this people, but you have not let me know whom you will send with me. Yet you have said, I know you by name. What's that speaking to? He belongs to God. And you have also found grace in my sight. Now, therefore, I pray if I have found grace in your sight, show me now your way. That I may know you. And that I may find grace in your sight and consider that. This nation is your people. So Moses again here, we can see here, he, he uses, God uses Moses as an instrument to lead. I mean, I told you we'd break down each section. Verse 12, we see leadership. We see the presence of God being requested and, and desired. Much like you and I can request and want to be in the presence of Jesus Christ today. We also see that Moses was concerned about not having his presence in travel, right? He wasn't going to go anywhere without God. And he had been confirmed to him that, first of all, God had known him by name, so he belongs to God, number one. Number two, that he has been given favor. That's where it says, I have found grace in your sight, right? And consider the nation of your people. He found favor that way. We are, they are the people of God. And he said, My presence will go with you and I will give you rest. Notice that. Did Moses ask for rest? Re- read it with me again. Did, did, is there anywhere in here where he says, I, Moses says, Lord, God bless you. Moses said, Lord, if I, if I go, Lord, I need rest. I can't do this alone. Remember Israel? Remember when they were traveling and God was delivering them out of Egypt as they were even traveling up to the Lord? We're hungry. We need more manna. We need more quail, Lord. Lord, we need more water. It's been, you know, how many hours, Lord? Lord, our shoes, Lord, they're getting hot, right? I mean, every, they kept, stop, Lord, Lord, help, Lord, you know. And now, God, knowing the heart of his people, knowing what they need, what does he say? He says, and by the way, my presence, I will be with you. And when my presence is with you, What do you automatically receive? Rest. You can't have one without the other. When you have Christ and you're walking with God, there's a peace, there's a rest that comes upon you. Some of the times when we don't feel that peace, that striving, that stirring occurs, we know what it is. It's it's something that's just not right. But when we have that rest and peace, where's that coming from? But from the Lord. Because we're walking in his presence. Verse 15, the second part of this section here. Then he said to him, if your presence does not go with us, do not bring us up out of here, right? Don't bring us from here. So God allows Moses to intercede on his his behalf here. And we're going to see something else that Moses wants in verse 16. For how then will it be known that your people and I have found grace in your sight? God, the grace you talked about, the favor you mentioned. Except you go with us. So we shall be separate. Your people and I. From all the people who are upon the face of the earth. Isn't that what you wanted to do anyway God? We're your chosen people. We were to be separate. We were to be holy. That's what you desired all along Lord. It was, it was your covenant. We're your people. But what does Moses want here? And he's going to continue to build on it. He wants confirmation. Confirmation. God had already told him I'm going to go with you, hadn't he? We already read that. He He said, I will go with you. Verse 14, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. But don't we do that same thing? We pray to the Lord, Lord, should I do this, Lord? Let me know your will. You know, you read Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2, and you know that you can know the perfect will of God if you have your mind renewed and you're not in the world that way. And, and you can know what it is and you can test it and you can trust it. And yet... We all in our, in our step of faith or maybe even sometimes in weakness or doubt, whatever it is, uncertainty, God, will you confirm it again in your word? Lord, will you give me a word? Maybe he's already given you a word. But you ask him, Lord, will you give me, will you give me another passage? This is a big deal, Lord. I'm getting ready to go over to China. Lord, is this what you want me to do? Lord, you've, you've, you seem to open the steps. You seem to open the door, Lord. It looks like it. You've provided a way. You've equipped. Where God guides, he provides. Lord, it's all adding up. But, but something in my heart needs to know. I need, I need that assurance, God. I, I'm afraid. I need that assurance. If, if this is speaking to any of you tonight, know that God wants to give you that assurance. Because that's how he responds to Moses. He confirms it for him. But that's because Moses goes back to him and is honest and goes to him and goes to the presence of God and says, I need you. You're going to run away from God or to God. Run to God. Run to Jesus and ask him, Lord, what, have, what would you have me to do here? He'll answer you. He, he does that. He gives confirmation. So here's, here's the second thing we got. Verse 15, again, 12, we see the leading, the presence of God. In our, you know, today in our covenant with Jesus, we see that verse 15 speaking about confirmation and a response. We need a response. We want confirmation. God knows we're a people like that. He knows us. He created us. That's why He allows Moses to intercede. Often, I think He does the same thing through His Spirit. Says, "Hey, ask for the confirmation. For then, how will I know it be known that your people and I have found grace in your sight, except you go with us?" So we'll be separate, right? Your people and I and from the people who are upon the face of the earth. So the Lord said to Moses, I will also do this thing that you have spoken. Notice that he doesn't rebuke Moses. Notice that he doesn't go, Moses, didn't I already tell you I'm going with you? What's wrong with you, Moses? What kind of servant are you? What kind of leader are you? No, men do that. The, the enemy does that. The enemy is a reproach. He comes upon you. He lies. He trips you up. He makes you feel guilty for going back to God and going, God, I, I, Lord, forgive my unbelief. Forgive my, Lord, help me confirm my steps, Lord. That's not the Lord that does that. That's the enemy. Recognize the battle in the spiritual battle. Horn. Recognize the armament. What's from the Lord and what's from the evil one. God's gracious. He's long suffering. He's patient. He's absolutely happy to confirm your, the steps. He just wants you to step in faith. And sometimes he asks us to take that first step. We may not hear from him again until we take that first step. He may go uh, silent on us. Some of us, you know, if we don't hear from the Lord for like a day or a week, what have I done, Lord? You know, like we're in the backside of the wilderness or something. You know, we're finding ourselves on our ways to Kedish Barnea, just, you know, like the, the people were, 13 mile trip and they're doing circles and we start thinking, Lord, that's us. You know what I'm talking about? Where you, Lord, I, I, I've asked you, Lord, you uh, confirm it, but then we, we go silent and I, well, why? What is God showing us? Have we stepped in faith? Is there sin in our life? What's happened? What do we need to do? I always say, go back to the beginning. Where were you last with the Lord? What passage did he give you? Read it over again. What's he showing you? What's he confirming you? Then step in belief. That, that's how we ended in this building, ended up in this building. I had come here a number of times. I had prayed. I had been walking around. I had been praying, but I hadn't got that comfort. Just like Moses. Lord, I know, but Lord, this is three times what we used to pay in rent. Lord, I don't know how this is going to work out. How are we going to afford it? You know, all the things that men worry about. Foolishness. Hasn't God provided? Doesn't He do it through all of you, through me, through all of us? Hasn't God done that in our lives? But we all do it. I don't, I'm real. I'm going to always be transparent in front of you. I've done that. And I, Lord, but He's so grace filled. And so gracious, he turns around and what's he doing? He he, he says, he says that I heard the words, go back to the last place. I'm sitting in my truck right in this driveway. I turn back to Exodus chapter three, which is where I had left off. And he began to tell me, he said, Don't you remember? I'm gonna go before the township. I'm gonna, I'm gonna raise up the architect, I'm gonna raise up the engineer. I'm going to raise up the the electrician. I'm going to do all of this, and it's all for my glory. I'm not doing it for you. I'm doing it for my people and for my glory. You get to be a part of it. How about that? God, if I can sweep or clean the bathrooms, thank you, Jesus. That's my heart. But I began to see a move, and I I went back to the beginning. I, I did what Moses did. Lord, confirm it. And God responds in a favorable way. I will also do this thing that I have spoken for. You have found grace. Again, favor in my sight, and I know you by name. He's saying, Moses, you belong to me. Nothing's going to happen to you, Moses, without it passing through my mind, God's mind. To Think about that. Oh, my. I think of our minds and the finite capabilities and the infinity of God's mind. If I can say it that way in a metaphysical sort of way, if you know what I mean. The, I mean, it's, it's wrong to even think God uh, has a mind the way that we have a finite brain. But but it's amazing. He's, he's Moses. He Moses, you belong to me. In verse 18 in the third section here, he says, and he said, please show me your glory. Look at Moses' response. Did, Do you see the progression here? I'll I'll review it again. Verse 12 was what? The leading and the presence of God. That's where it begins. Moses was being a faithful leader and under shepherd. And he was desiring the presence of the living God. Then what happened? God began to confirm it and he responded directly to Moses so that he knew what he was to do and where he was to walk and to step in faith. And the third thing that happens when you do those two things has to happen. Every single time, test God this way. Every single time you draw close to God, he's going to draw close to you. Because the third thing is he says, Moses now saying, I want to see God's glory. I want a deeper relationship. That's what Moses is saying. If I could paraphrase, God, I want more of you. I mean, I, I've been standing in your presence when I was up on the mountain. As I, I want more of you, God. I can't get enough. Do you, you guys know what I mean? If you know what I mean, say Amen. Do you know Amen? Where you want more of the living God? You're not content. You're not content with 30 minutes of of just you know reading your Bible and 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 then just okay, well that's my day. No, I, I, you want to pour over the Lord of God. You, you can't get enough of Jesus. You want to spend time in your prayer closet with him. You want to meet with him daily because you know that when you're in the presence of God, you come away juicy, man. You come away with juicy with, with grace, with love. You, man, you can't help it. It's like a steak. You marinate that thing 24 hours. You throw it on the barbie. That thing's juicy, right? It doesn't get dried out when you add, what, flavor to it, when you add substance to it. No different. What are you going to pour into this temple? Because what you pour in is what you're going to get out. You pour in the living God, you're going to get out grace, mercy, and love. You pour in anything else, you're going to get out a substitute. You're going to get a substitute, and it's never going to be as good as the real thing. You can only fake it for so long. It's a facade. And then you get to the place where you know you've experienced. And oh, by the way, everybody here, we know when you've experienced living God too. You ain't fooling nobody. Nobody, I'm not fooling anybody. We know when you spend time with Jesus in your prayer closet, you come out, you're wrecked. You're all different. You're, you're juicy, man. You come out and you're, you're just, you're like, you're either broken, and that's okay because we're like, oh, we just want to encourage you, or you come out and you're just like, you're pieced out. You're just pieced out. You're just back. You're like, oh, yeah. Car's on fire. That's okay. That's okay. House just burned down. That's, that's all right. Uh, we, don't, we don't need that. We'll sleep at the church, man. You got that room back in the cafe? They even got food there. Yeah, okay. <laughs> you don't care, right? You don't care. That's awesome. I love that. Because we belong to God, and we, we want more of God. We want that deeper relationship. And then he said, I will make all my goodness, underline that, all my goodness pass before you. Have you ever prayed that? Pray that sometime. Lord, show me all your goodness. Show me your glory, God. This wasn't just reserved for Moses. This is for a believer in Christ. Show me your glory. Show me your presence. And I will proclaim the name of the Lord before you. I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious. And I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. Do you see what he said here first? He says, I will proclaim the name of the Lord before you. What did he tell him? He says, Moses, I'm going to tell you my name. I'm going to proclaim my name, Yahweh. I'm going to tell you, I'm going to proclaim the name. We believe that's how we pronounce it. We don't know the exact pronunciation for that in the Hebrew. But he says, I'll be gracious. I'll have favor for whom I choose that face, and I'll show compassion to whom I show compassion. But he said this, Moses, is you can't see my face, for no man shall shall see me and live. Now, as we read on, that's, that's heavy because just seeing the very back of God and presence of God, Moses being up on the mountain again another 40 days and 40 nights as he gets the second set of tablets because he broke the first, he's going to come down forever changed. He can't be the same. He's going to literally have to wear a veil the rest of his life because the people are going to see him and be afraid because it's going to show his skeletal structure. We're going to read it in 34 there. He's never the same. You are never the same. When you have spent time with the living God, you always come away different. You will always come away different. You will never come away the same. I guarantee that because it's the promise of the Lord. And the Lord said, here is a place by me and you shall stand on the rock. Now he's in Israel. What, you know, almost towards Israel there. He's in the wood what rock, right? The rock, he knew. So it shall be while my glory passes by that I will put you in the cleft of the rock and I will cover you with my hand while I pass by. Can you imagine this? That God's hand can cover through a shadow, however he did it, that as he's walking by, Moses is in the cleft of the rock just as his hand and he goes by and he gets just far enough by and he begins to move his hand so that he could see the shadow and all he could see is is the the, you know, the back of God that way. Anything more would kill him. See, this corruption needs to put on incorruption. We can't, in this earth suit, be and live in the presence of God physically like that. That's why it says, in, you know, in the New Testament that we will put on incorruption You know, we'll get our heavenly suit, man. I don't know how it'll work. I don't know. It's obviously not going to be, well, I don't know, obviously. Maybe, I don't think it's going to be, you know, organic based life form type situation. You know what I mean? Carbon based, if I want to be accurate. I don't think it's going to be necessarily carbon based. Because if when you read about heaven, we don't see the light the way we see the light or refract from Jesus. We, we don't have time for this, right? But, <laughs> no, because I've, I've thought about this. I mean, you exegete the passage, you go through it, you begin to study it. And I, I don't know about you, but I, and I just, I can spend hours, hours. And I just start taking notes, and I go, the Lord brings me to, you know, he strings pearls, and next thing you know, I end up back, and I'm like, what? where was I? Verse 22, okay. <laughs> it's his goodness. When he reveals more of himself, you hunger more. The more you get, the more you want to know, the more you want to be with him. Then I will take away my hand and you shall see my back. But my face shall not be seen. Moses saw the goodness of God. Chapter 34. And the Lord said to Moses, cut two tablets of stone like the first ones. (laughs) Moses had a little bit of an anger problem. And I will write on these tablets the words that were on the first tablet uh, which you broke. What's he talking about here? Well, what God's going to do is God's going to begin with the renewing of his covenant. But he's going to lay it out for him. He's actually going to give him a couple more stipulations here in chapter 34, what he needs to do. And I'm going to move this a little bit through a little more brisker. I'm not going to, briskly, should I say. I'm not going to stop in exegete's verse. But um, afterwards, if you have any questions, come up and see me. But, you know, when you look at this, basically what he's doing is he's giving he's giving them the opportunity to come back in and he's going to reestablish the covenant with them. And that's what his heart is to do. Again, he's the God of infinite chances. And the Lord said to Moses, cut the two tablets of stone like the first ones and I will write on these tablets the words that were on the first tablets which you broke. So be ready in the morning and come up in the morning to Mount Sinai and present yourself to me there on the top of the mountain. And no man shall come up with you, right? He must come alone. And let no man be seen throughout all the mountains. Let neither flocks nor herds feed before that mountain. Often, you have to do it with God alone. There are things that you can't do through somebody else. There's no mediator for man but Jesus. But the man Jesus. There's no one that can bring you in to the presence of God. Only your choice and your relationship with the living God. You may have religion here. But if you don't have Jesus Christ, if you don't have lordship, if you don't have a savior, you're not a born again believer in Christ. That's what the Bible teaches. You're not family. But here's the good news. That if you choose to humble your heart, to receive him as your Lord and savior, he said that you will be the son and daughter of the living God. And that just like Moses was in his hand and he knew him by name, he too will know you by name and he will gird you all the days of your life. So he cut the two tablets of stone like the first ones. Then Moses rose up early. Again, rising up early is a good practice for us, waking up early and reading the word. In the morning and went up on Mount Sinai, and as the Lord had commanded him, he took in his hand the two tablets of stone. What's he doing? He's following God. Now the Lord descended in the cloud and stood with him there and proclaimed the name of the Lord. Do you see that? He said he was going to proclaim the name of the Lord. He does it right there. But not only is he going to tell him, my name is Yahweh, and proclaim it, he's going to give him five to seven different character attributes here. Okay? And just think of this revelation he's getting from God at this point. And the Lord passed before him and proclaimed the Lord. He says, the Lord, the Lord God. What does that mean? That's the Lord, right? The Lord God, the title Yahweh, his name, excuse me, Yahweh is what he's saying here. He says he's merciful, gracious, long-suffering. He's abounding in goodness and truth. And if you thought that was all, no, there's more. Keeping mercy for thousands, forgiving. Circle that one. How precious is that? The blood of Christ, forgiveness. Iniquity and transgression and sin by no means clearing The guilty, whoa, 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 that just switched. What happened? Pastor, what happened there? So he's talking about those that are believers initially, right? This is who he is. He's merciful, gracious, long-suffering, you know, abounding goodness and truth. This is referred to at least seven times in other scriptures. If you're taking notes, I can give them to you. Numbers chapter 14, verse 18. Nehemiah chapter 9, verse 17. Psalm I think it's 86, verse 15. Joel, chapter 2, verse 13. And Jonah, chapter 4, verse 2. There's also two other ones in the Psalms. I, I can't remember the other two Psalms off the top of my head. I apologize. I just gave you five references. But there are over seven different references where God himself uses these same character attributes to refer to himself. To remind the people of who he is and just how loving and gracious he is. But he says, by, by no means, there's a comma there, right? By no means clearing the guilty. Who is the guilty? That's, that's the unbeliever, right? What is the, the wages of sin? Is death. Right, And the only way that we can have that sin removed is to be born again to receive Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. If we are not found with one standing in our place as the great accuser accuses us when we die, and he stands up and says, no, the blood of the Lamb covers that. You know, Spurgeon had a beautiful quote. He, he was in his den one evening. He was, he was troubled. You know, he believed that the devil himself had appeared before him. Not one of his demons, but he believed the devil himself had appeared to him as he was working through his sermon, as he was going through the passages. And he was troubled. And he began to curse at him. He began to tell Spurgeon, how dare you teach the word of God? How dare you study this? You know who you are. You know what you did, Charles. You know everything about how dare you, you hypocrite, you liar. And he began to just throw and throw accusations at him. And finally, Spurgeon got so angry, he turned and he grabbed, his, remember, they used to, you know, the ink dub the blotter thing. That he, said. he grabbed that thing and he picked it up and he, saw, he wrote on a piece of paper all the things he was saying. And he said, Paid for by the blood of the Lamb. And he wrote it and then he threw the ink blotter and the devil fleed. And he believed unto that day, he knew that claiming the victory of Jesus Christ, he didn't need to fear the adversary, that he had victory because he claimed the blood of the lamb. There's power in the blood. We sing it. Do we believe it? Well, for those that don't have this, the unbeliever, and again, this is a choice. He says their children, right? And their children's children to the third and fourth generation, Now, what this isn't saying is a generational sin that, you know, if your father sinned that you're going to sin and then your son's going to sin and, you know, you're going to be condemned to hell because of what your father did. That's not what this is teaching here. More is caught than taught. If you're an unbeliever and you teach wickedness to your children and they go up, what do we say? An English idiom or a British idiom. I can't remember where it hailed from, but the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. What's the idea here? Are we saying that, that apples are limited by their ability to be carried by physics and weight and air and mass? I mean, do we not know T limits? Did we not study calculus? Do we not understand? No, that's not what that's saying. What is it telling us? It's time to make a relationship. It's saying more is caught than taught. And so he's saying parents in this Watch what you're teaching your children. Friends, watch what you're doing. Watch what you're seeing, watching, reading, where you're spending your time because you have eyes on you all the time. Whether you know it or not, your life is being read like a Bible. We're gonna close here in verse nine. As I finish verse eight, he says, so Moses made haste and bowed his head toward the earth and worshiped. I'd say I'd worship too. Don't you like that? Then he said, now, if now I have found grace in your sight, Lord, one more time, the third time. Lord, if I have found grace in your sight, oh, let my Lord, or oh, Lord, let my Lord, oh, Yahweh, I pray go among us, even though, circle that, we. You see, that's what a good shepherd does. A good shepherd doesn't say it's me and it's you. A good under shepherd says we because he realizes I'm a worshiper and you're a worshiper and God's the shepherd. He's the chief shepherd and we're under the living God, aren't we? We just have different offices. That's all it is, different callings. But it's we I love that Moses learns that. He, that's something that had to be birthed because remember when God tried to give Moses, hey, these are your people. Remember that? And Moses like, oh no, they're your people, right? And it was kind of like, you know, he's giving them back and forth. Now Moses says, no, you know what? It's not your people, it's not my people. We, Lord, we're your children. We're your body. We're the body of Christ. We're the sons and daughters of the living God. Nobody here's arrived. Nobody's made it. But through Christ, he will finish the good work he's begun in us, just as it says in Philippians chapter one. We are a stiff-necked people and pardon our circle, that our iniquity and our sin. Forgive us, Lord, and take us as your inheritance. It's beautiful, isn't it? This is beautiful. Moses includes himself, recognizes his own iniquity, his own sin, his own limitations. And because of this response, because of verse 12, because of verse 15, because of verse 18, drawing into the presence, drawing into the relationship, and verse 10, as we come together next week, next Wednesday, God's gonna reestablish his covenant with his chosen people. You see, friends, no matter what we've done, Again, I say it no matter what we've done, no matter how our emotions, our thoughts, our feelings, no matter how they betray us, God sees the heart and he sees the motives of the heart. He doesn't just judge us on our outwardly actions, he's interested in relationship, he's not interested in religion. He desires obedience. He desires mercy. He's had a lot of sacrifice, but it's been half hearted. We serve a God that is intimate. So love him. Spend time with him. Call him your friend. Meet with him face to face, as we use the Hebrew idiom. Don't settle for anything less. And if you haven't been doing that, well, tonight's a great time to start. You can come up for prayer. We'll have the elders up here. Or you can find an elder in the lobby, wherever. We're all around, man. Come see me. Or better yet, you can just get on your knees with the living God and open up your heart to him and tell him how you love him. Tell him, Daddy, I'm coming home. Daddy, I'm coming home. I've been out there too long, wandering, doing it my way. Daddy, I gotta come home. I'm broken, I'm beat. I want your presence, and Lord, I'll take your rest. Amen? Let's stand and pray. And if you've been following in our outline, I'll just bring this up to you because we're almost a few more passages. We're gonna be in chapter 35 there. We're going to be in the last section of the book of uh, Exodus in our outline. If you remember our outline that was on the table, if not, you can go in the, I think they're making popcorn or something, so if you want to go help yourself to that in the cafe, but there's there's outlines back there. If you want to go grab one, the remaining time we're going to be spending in the book of Exodus after we finish up the, I don't know, twenty fifteen verses we have left in, cha- in uh, chapter 34 goes into the construction of the tabernacle, looking at all the typology that we see of Jesus Christ, of what God had shown Moses the pattern for, now we're going to take the time to go more detailed through it. That's why one of the reasons why I wanted to study the book of Exodus on a Wednesday night where we have more time to go line by line to, you know, get all the meat off the bone, because there's so much that we can look in chapters 35 through 40 that it that show us Jesus Christ himself. You can't but read every one of those chapters, if not every few verses, and see the topology of Jesus. So I pray you'll join us. If you, uh, if you haven't been, if this is your first time coming out, please come out and join us. It's a beautiful time to just study God's word. Just like we said earlier, you'll, you'll come away changed. You can't help but coming away changed when he ministered to, ministers to you through his word. Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you Lord, the, I, the time has gone by so quickly again, Lord, as we were here tonight. And Lord, many of us, I saw some eyes, I saw some heads going back. Lord, people are peaced out, just pieced out, Lord, because of your presence. Oh, Jesus, we love you. Lord God, tonight, I, I wanna ask on behalf, Lord, just as Moses interceded for his people, Lord, I pray and I would ask, Lord, over your people here, God, the flock you've established, Lord, that you would draw close to them, Lord Jesus. You'd meet them exactly where they are, God. You'd pour out your favor. You'd pour out your grace, your mercy and love on them right now, Lord. You'd do a work in their hearts. You'd transform. Lord, they'd come away juicy, Lord. Oh God, they'd come away different. Lord, they'd come away with that Shekinah glory from being in your presence. And and Lord, I'm not asking for them to wear veils their lives, Lord, but but God, how I would love it that they come away as true disciples of the living God, knowing more about you than they do of them, their, their own selves, Lord. Being so others focused, caring for one another, recognizing what you've built here, Lord, what you've done and established for your people. Lord, thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your love. And Lord God, thank you for sealing this in our hearts tonight. And Lord, may we use it, Lord, effectively and fervent, Lord. Right, Lord, the righteous prayer of a man avails much. So God, I pray for Travel Mercy's home for us. Lord, I pray you'd bring some sunshine back in our way here, God. But we already know you brought your son, Lord. Thank you for that. So, Jesus, we pray all this in your holy name, Jesus Christ. And all God's people prayed. Amen. God bless you. I love you all. Have a good evening. And I think they popped some popcorn because we're testing it out before Jubilee Day. We want to get it ready. So go over there and grab some popcorn and uh, grab an outline if you need one. And if anybody needs prayer, come on up. The elders will be up here, and they'll be here for you to pray and to uh, lay hands on you. Or if you need a baptism, refilling of the Holy Spirit, come on up. Okay, God bless you all.